Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This incident happened to me when I was 15 years old, back in 1999. I grew up in Southern California, in the suburbs of Los Angeles. We had moved to our home when I was about six years old. I lived with my mom, three brothers, and little sister. I'm the middle child, which wasn't very easy as a kid. I often felt overlooked. I also have ADHD and high-functioning autism, which made me feel even more isolated. I'll give you guys an overview of my town and house so you can get an idea of where I grew up. When we moved there, our city was pretty much all dirt roads and citrus orchards. It was common to see coyotes, deer, rattlesnakes, and even mountain lions. Our house was up a road that looked like a dead-end street, but the street curved around and led into our neighborhood. It was remote and creepy. Our house was the second house on our street. I guess you could say it was your typical middle-class neighborhood. We had a huge canyon behind our house, literally right next to the fence of our backyard. We loved to play in the canyon as kids. There was a big river in the canyon that my siblings and I would ride our boogie boards down. There were even small waterfalls to play in and small fish and frogs in the river to catch. Now, as an adult, I cringed to think of how I'd go down into that canyon alone at such a young age. When I was about 10, the police discovered a dead body in the lake down in the canyon and ended up building a dam and drained the lake. We weren't able to play in our beloved river anymore. I guess it was for the best though. Years later, I discovered that wasn't the first body they'd found down there in the canyon. They ended up draining it because someone kept dumping bodies into the lake. In the third grade, I also had a friend who lived down the street from me who happened to be murdered. I guess her dad left the house for business, and the mom and children were murdered while he was gone. They never did solve the case. They also never solved those cases involving the dead bodies in the canyon behind our house, either. Anyway, back to the house. We had a pretty big yard, and even had a goat, horses, a pig, cats, and dogs. I think you get the idea. We also had a big barn that was up against the canyon where our animals would be kept at night. We had a steep driveway, and our street was also pretty steep, as it led up to the mountains by my house. Between our home and the rest of the neighborhood was a trail, kind of a slab of land with overgrown shrubbery, with a huge electrical tower in the middle of the trail. The brushes along the path were really tall and overgrown, which added to the creepiness of the neighborhood. All the kids at my school considered our street to be the creepiest street in town. The previous owner of our house happened to die there. Yes, actually died in the master bedroom. I have no idea why my mom even bought the house. I bet she must have gotten a killer deal on it. All jokes aside though, I really hated that house. I never truly felt safe in it and moved out as soon as I turned 18. It was a tri-level style home, so the layout was kind of weird. We had a pretty sturdy front door that creaked when you'd open it. 
The living room, kitchen, and dining room were all on the first level of the house. The tri-level part of the first floor led down some stairs into our family room, and then to a small hallway and the bathroom. My bedroom was next to the bathroom downstairs. My room was kind of tucked away in a weird spot of the hallway. There was a little piece of wall that obscured my view into the family room from my bedroom doorway. Another weird aspect of the house was there was a huge cutout in the wall of the kitchen. So it was essentially a window built into the kitchen wall that overlooked the family room. I could see into the kitchen from the hallway where my room was, thanks to this pointless wall cutout. The house was built somewhere around the 1970s, and my parents had done some very strange renovations over the years. Now, let me get to the actual scary experience here. So again, my bedroom was the only bedroom on the first floor. Everyone else's bedrooms were upstairs. My mom had given me the downstairs bedroom so I wouldn't have to share a room with my little sister anymore because I'd have full-blown panic attacks when my sister would mess up the bedroom. I liked being downstairs because I enjoyed being alone. I'm a proud hermit and introvert. But I'm not going to lie. It was scary as f at night being all alone downstairs. I'd often sleep with my dog in my room and close my bedroom door. I'd usually lock the door because I'm that paranoid type of person. Any other neurodivergent listeners will understand what I mean. Intrusive thoughts are a bitch. Late one night, my dog was scratching at the door, probably wanting to get out and get a drink from his water bowl down the hall. I also forgot to mention that the house had two back doors. One led directly into my restroom from outside, and the other led directly into our laundry room. Again, I know it's a weird setup. Both doors had locks, but they didn't even work half the time. Anyway, I had let my little dog go out of my room, and I could have sworn I'd shut my bedroom door and then gone back to sleep. I honestly never leave my door open when I sleep. Not even a crack. I ended up waking up confused a few hours later. I looked at my clock, and it read 5am. Way too early to get up for school. I never woke up this early. I was also confused as to why I was hanging halfway off my bed. I always slept with my head on the left side of my bed, never the right. It was like someone had picked me up and laid me on the opposite side of my bed, in addition to kind of hanging off the side. Being autistic, I like things to be a very specific way every single night. Closed door, sleeping on the left side of my bed, alarm going off at 7am to wake me up for school. I rubbed my eyes, feeling confused and just kind of off. I felt weird, like something just wasn't right. I laughed to myself thinking I probably had a crazy dream and moved a lot in my sleep that night, which by the way, wasn't something that happened to me. I looked around my room and I was very surprised to see my door was slightly cracked open. I was certain I had closed the door after letting my dog out. I suddenly felt wide awake. I still had this weird feeling though. I don't know why I didn't just go back to sleep. I felt like I needed to just get up quickly, get out of my room, and get ready for school, which I also never did this early. I walked towards my bedroom door and opened it. The house was still pitch black, except for the dim light my mom always kept on in the kitchen. As I walked out of my room, I went to turn to go into my bathroom. When I could have sworn I saw the figure of a man, 
standing in the kitchen through that weird-ass wall cutout. I thought nothing of it, told myself I must still be half asleep. I brushed it off as best as I could and continued my way into the restroom. I locked the door behind me and quickly turned on the shower. After wrapping up my shower, I opened the bathroom door. I was surprised to see my mom standing right in front of me with her arms crossed and a scowl across her face. I looked at her befuddled and asked her what was wrong. She immediately started yelling at me saying, I told you not to have friends spend the night on school nights. She went on and on and it left me utterly confused. I stopped my mom and told her I didn't have any friends over and that I had no idea what she was talking about. She said I must be lying to her. In her defense, she had caught me sneaking in some of my friends through my bedroom window a few weeks prior to this. I kept telling her that I wasn't lying, and I started getting upset as she was accusing me of something that I definitely didn't do. She must have realized at some point that I might be telling the truth. All of a sudden, she got really quiet, looked pale, and her eyes got wide. Do you promise you didn't have any friends over? She said very calmly. Again, I said bluntly, Yes, I promise. Why? She just stood there staring at me. Again, I asked her what was wrong. She hesitated and then began speaking again. She told me she had woken up early around 5 a.m. She was laying in bed reading a book when she heard me downstairs as I opened and shut the bathroom door and turned on the shower. Right after she heard me turn on the shower, she heard heavy footsteps move quickly across the wooden floors downstairs. She said it sounded like the person had heavy boots on as they moved from the kitchen all the way to the front door. She then heard the front door swiftly open and then close. My mouth dropped open and I just stared at her. I couldn't believe it. I told her that I saw a figure of a man in the kitchen while walking to the restroom but thought that I was just seeing things. She didn't say anything else and walked off. Later that day, she changed the locks on all of the doors and even put latches on them. This incident made me hate our house even more. When this happened, my mom was going through a divorce with my stepdad, so she thought it might have been him or maybe even our really creepy next door neighbor. But after that night, I started making sure to lock my bedroom door and window every single night. We never found out who had come into our house early that morning. To this day, I still occasionally have nightmares about what could have happened. How did they get into the house? Were one of the doors unlocked? Why had they come down into my room? Did they watch me sleep? Why did they move me off my bed like that? And how did I not wake up as they moved me? Although my mom was awake when I was, she didn't hear a car start up or drive off. So, were they on foot? Did they come from the canyon? Did they hide along the sketchy trail in front of my house? These are just some of the questions I still continuously ask myself that scare me to my core. Another couple of which are, why did he leave my room to go to the kitchen? Was he coming back with a knife? They had left my door cracked open and then went to the kitchen. I truly believe the person was planning to come back to my room to do only God knows what. I have no idea why I felt so compelled to get up early that morning. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't gone to the bathroom. 
I don't know who the hell it was, but the feeling in my soul tells me they didn't have good intentions. When I was nine years old, my friends and I were playing the most epic birthday game of hide-and-go-seek in the woods behind our neighborhood. I had found an amazing hiding spot in the backwoods and crouched down about as low as I could. I had a nice long view down the trail from both angles, so I knew there was no way for anyone to come sneaking up on me. I was hidden for a few minutes before I saw a man in a red flannel shirt come walking up the trail. I noticed that he was stumbling back and forth. In my teenage years, I'd be able to peg this as a man that's stone-cold drunk. As he was far off, his facial features were blotted out due to the distance. However, as he got closer, his face never did quite unblot. The closer he got, the more distorted and out of focus his face became, until he was pretty much standing right up next to me. I noticed that he had absolutely no facial features whatsoever. Where his face should be was nothing but skin. Now, I must have moved or made some noise because the man stopped and looked at me. At least, his face turned towards me, and he said very softly and quite sincerely, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what happened next. My next memory is booking it and being halfway home. I was so terrified of what I had just seen that I couldn't speak of it to anyone. I packed it away and then forgot all about it until I was in my mid-twenties. At that point, I remember my mom telling us a story of a friend of hers from high school who had died recently and had once lived in our old neighborhood. When they were in high school, he tried to unalive himself by shooting himself in the head, but ended up surviving, although not without permanently disfiguring his face horrifically. After that, he became a horrible alcoholic lived a very lonely life, and would walk through the woods as to purposefully not scare little kids after getting drunk at a dive bar named Vinny's Hotspot that happened to be on the opposite side of the woods, the direction which I saw that faceless man coming from. I realized only then that the man my mother was speaking of and the stranger I saw all those years ago were indeed one and the same. I put it in my head that this poor man was walking home from a binge of day drinking and ended up crossing paths with me in the woods. And as a means to protect myself, my brain somehow unsaw his face from my memory so that I wouldn't be too horrified at the experience. My heart breaks for this man. I can only imagine what a single, solitary, and horrifying life he must have led, both before and after his accident. I'm not one of those people that vehemently believes in the afterlife, but wherever this man is now, I hope that all of his pain is subsided and that he can just rest. This is my first post in this sub, so forgive me if this isn't quite the right place, but a few summers back, we had a series of unfortunate and creepy events. So buckle in, this is going to be a long one. In May, I moved into a new apartment on the second floor of a four-story building. I'm a single mom of two younger kids, 
pandemic was raging, and I was in the middle of not only a move, but a divorce and a huge career shift. My industry was off limits during the lockdown, and the state had yet to set up the unemployment system for independent contractors. Needless to say, I was stressed. All of the changes were stressful for my kids as well, and there was a fair amount of yelling and arguing from all of us for a few months. Being in an apartment building, the sound carries, and I was sure the new neighbors thought that I was a terrible mother. I had very briefly met our downstairs neighbor in passing a few times, and was relieved to find out she had a young child as well. Maybe she would be more understanding of the unavoidable kid noise than a single person would. It soothed my anxiety a bit about being a bad neighbor. Being in a pandemic, though, we didn't interact much, except for brief hellos in the hallway. Fast forward to September. Things had calmed down quite a bit for us. We were settled in now, my finances were stable, and the kids were more used to being stuck with each other all of the time. There were still occasional spats, but nothing out of the ordinary for a normal family. So you can imagine my surprise when one day I came home from work to find a card and a gift bag in front of my door. They would have to be from someone who had a key to the building, but I still didn't really know any of my neighbors, so what the hell was it? I was immediately wary and had a sinking feeling in my chest. As soon as I picked up the bag, I could tell it was a bottle of wine, and the card was thick and heavy. Normally, I would be excited about such a gift, but my spidey senses were already through the roof that something was off, and I was getting nauseous. As soon as I got inside, I opened the card. It was from the downstairs neighbor. She told me that she was my children's guardian angel, and that this was a warning to me, that I had no right to harm them, and I needed to relax. Now, seeing as how I had never laid a hand on my children, I was confused, angry, offended. Had she mistaken the kids roughhousing for me beating my children? And I am a pretty chill person. Helping other people to relax is literally my full-time job. So her telling me I needed to relax nearly made me laugh out loud. I was floored, creeped out, and still had some major bad vibes. I think I would have probably just completely ignored it, but seeing as how I'm going through a divorce with a bit of a custody disagreement, I couldn't really afford to have some weirdo call the cops on me for no reason at all. I had no idea what to do, but I was almost panicked at this point. So I went to my room and pulled out my tarot cards. I took a few deep breaths to calm my mind, shuffled, and concentrated on the situation before drawing a single card. It was the Nine of Swords. Now, if you're not familiar with tarot, here's what it looks like. A woman sitting up in her bed, head in her hands, weeping. There are nine swords hung horizontally on the wall behind her. It's one of the ugliest, most ominous cards in the whole system and represents despair, depression, anxiety, and intense emotional struggle. I took it as a sign to keep my distance, but I couldn't just ignore it. She lives right downstairs and thinks that I'm abusing my children. I couldn't just let it slide. So I wrote her a note back, saying that I appreciate her concern for them, assuring her that they're safe, explaining that not only do they roughhouse quite a bit, but my oldest has several disabilities that affect his speech and balance. 
so she may hear him shouting and falling quite a bit. I gave her my number and told her to text me if we were ever being too loud. I slipped the note under her door and hoped for the best. Still feeling majorly freaked out about the whole situation, I burned the card she gave me and threw the bottle of wine in the dumpster. I couldn't even have them in the house. A few days later, I get a text from her. She said she was sorry to have misunderstood the situation, and it seems we have much more in common than she thought. She believed we were, quote, destined to become great friends, and invited my kids and I to join her and her son at the zoo. My intuition was still on high alert. I wanted so badly to say no, but was unsure how I could do that without just making things really awkward. And I didn't want to do that since I would still have to see her all the time. So I told her truthfully that between me being back to work and my kids doing virtual school, there was no time for at least the next few weeks. We never settled on a date, but I did leave it open. The next night, around 9.30 p.m., I got another text from her. I opened it up, and it was literally the longest text message I had ever received. So long that Apple had somehow sent it via iMessage as its own document. Even having worked in tech support for Apple, I had never seen this happen. It was a novel, and it was a bad one. She essentially poured her heart out, telling me about her husband, this beautiful black man who was built like a brick house, had been cheating on her for years, that she had recently quit her job and stopped taking her meds, and that soon she was going to leave her husband and go on a long vacation and learn how to swim. She told me that her son was perfect and a genius, and that it was his destiny to tutor my son, who, again, is disabled, but not behind on his schoolwork. She told me her mother and husband had tried to work together to have her committed just because she didn't believe in God anymore and began buying crystals. That her husband would rather she, a white woman, call the cops and he, a black man, die by their hand then go to therapy with her. That all her son wanted in the whole world was to go outside and blow bubbles with my kids. That she would even be willing to babysit them to give me a break. I did not respond. I decided it was best to just keep my boundaries and steer clear of her. And surprisingly, I was successful. I never got another message from her after that. Never saw her in the hallway. But I was living on edge, wondering when I would see her, what she would say or do. And this went on for about six weeks like that. Well, early October, I'm falling asleep reading in my bed at about 10.30 p.m. one night. I hear sirens. Living in a big city, this in and of itself is normal, and it didn't even register to me that they had stopped in front of my building until I heard yelling outside. Still, whatever's happening is none of my business. I ignore it. Then I hear yelling downstairs, through the floor. I've never heard a single sound through the floor. It had been six weeks from my neighbor's last message, but immediately... I thought, oh my god, this is it. It's happening. She called the cops on her husband. In quick succession, I thought of him being a black man at odds with the police. I couldn't help but think of Breonna Taylor's murder and how their bullets went into neighboring apartments 
I thought of my kids sleeping in the next room. I jumped up and looked out the window, trying to get a sense of what was happening. Police had the street blocked off. There were at least four squad cars and an ambulance. More cops were coming, running full speed into the building. I could still hear yelling coming from downstairs. The entire time, I'm freaking out. Do I wake up my kids and run them out the back door? Take them up to the top floor and the other side of the building? After pacing for a second, I run back to the window just in time to see a flood of cops booking it out of the building, holding something. The ambulance then tears away full speed. Then, two cops run out with her in cuffs, throw her into a second waiting ambulance, and pull away. Another cop runs up to the building and starts wrapping the whole place in crime scene tape. My windows being open and only being on the second floor, I can hear a group of cops consoling each other, saying things like, you did what you could, and preservation of life. Within 10 minutes, the street is absolutely flooded with onlookers, news crews, higher-up police. Between hearing what they were saying and alerts from the Citizen app, I was able to piece it together. The neighbor had taken her child's life and then attempted to take her own. The police found her sitting in her bed, crying, cutting herself. Nine of swords. Nobody on the block got much sleep that night. The next day was all helicopters and news crews and a slowly growing memorial of candles and signs and balloons and toy dinosaurs. I was exhausted, devastated, trying to keep my kids from seeing the circus, unsure how to handle it all. I reached for my tarot cards once again, this time a different deck. I had a very strong feeling that there was one card that wanted to be seen, and it would be easy to find. So I pulled the deck out of the box, shuffled, and picked a card. It didn't resonate at all. I picked another, but same thing. This wasn't the card I thought was coming. I'm just tired, I thought. I go to put the cards back and realize there is a single card that's still hanging out in the box. They hadn't all come out when I dumped it into my hand. I stared at it for a second and then reached in. Nine of Swords, the weeping woman in her bed, surrounded by sharp objects. I threw it down on my bed and simply walked away. While this is something that happened a few years back now, I can't help but think of it every now and then. We still live in the same apartment to this day. I walk by that neighbor's door relatively often, and although several other occupants have come and gone in time, I can't tell you anything about them. I only ever remember that woman, her kid, a novel of a text message that offered some clue of her delusion, and that fateful night that she erased pretty much all of that from this earth. I didn't follow her case after that night. I don't know where she's at now. Prison, some hospital somewhere. But in my heart, I hope that she got all the help that she could. I can't imagine her existence being very enjoyable after having to face the fact that she extinguished the life of someone that she gave life to in the first place. <laughs>